Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? What a curious question. Who sinned that this man was born blind? Looking back at the disciples' question with our 21st century understanding of science and medicine, we may be tempted to scoff. After all, how could anyone think that someone would be born blind because of sin, whether his parents or his own? But give the disciples credit for this much. They were trying to make sense of an unfair world. Give them credit for wrestling with a difficult question. Perhaps the most difficult question there is. If God is good, if God is just, if God is at least as moral as we are, if God loves God's children, and if God is all-powerful, then why do the wicked prosper, and why do innocents suffer? And make no mistake, suffering is not too strong a word to describe the lot of a blind man in first-century Palestine. We may be tempted to scoff at the Pharisees as well. After all, what kind of religious leaders would find fault with someone for healing a blind man on the Sabbath? But give them credit for this much. They thought they were defending the law that God had given to Moses and the teaching of the prophets. And if we feel a little smug, When comparing ourselves to the disciples and the Pharisees, we might need to remember some of the things that people say today to explain misfortune, like, he should have quit smoking, or dropped a few pounds, or gotten more exercise. She shouldn't have dressed like that. Or, what did he expect walking in that neighborhood? Or perhaps, it could have been a lot worse. And Christians often do no better than non-believers to satisfy our need for fairness and in our determination to stick up for God. Sometimes we say things that aren't very helpful to people who are hurting. How many times have you heard, when God closes a door, he opens a window, or everything happens for a reason, or perhaps this is a blessing in disguise? God has a plan, we just can't see it. And my personal favorite, God never gives us more than we can handle. For those of us who believe that God doesn't cause suffering, that God doesn't decide what parts of the world are affected by the outbreak of a virus, or who becomes sick during a pandemic, or is laid off from a job because a restaurant shutters its doors, While it's literally true to say that God never gives us more than we can handle, because God isn't the one doling out misfortune in the first place, it isn't really helpful. And at first glance, the answer that Jesus gave the disciples isn't really satisfactory either. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. So far, so good. But then he went on to say he was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. I don't know about you, but I find that a little unsettling. The idea that someone was born without sight so Jesus could perform a miracle for the benefit of the disciples, the man's neighbors, 
and the Pharisees. Think about it. We're talking about someone who endured years without sight before he met Jesus. And what about all the other people who've been born blind? But Jesus didn't actually say that God caused the man's blindness, nor did the disciples actually ask him why the man had been born blind. Instead, they presented him with a false choice, even if it reflected the conventional wisdom of the day. Who sinned, this man or his parents? Rejecting the the choice the disciples presented to him, Jesus simply replied that the man's blindness would be used to reveal God's works. I would imagine that a lot of us have struggled with the question posed by the disciples. Why do people suffer? Why does God allow bad things to happen? Why are the most vulnerable among us often the hardest hit in an economic downturn or a public health crisis? The question, why does God allow bad things to happen, is one that sent me into a spiritual crisis earlier in life. You may not relate to the specifics, but perhaps you have traveled a similar path. Linda and I had been married for a few years and decided it was time to start thinking about having children. I'll never forget the afternoon when we looked at the results of a home pregnancy test and and how excited we were to confirm that we were expecting. But about six weeks later, during a routine sonogram, the technician couldn't find a heartbeat. Then we had to wait several days for the result of a blood test, only to learn that Linda was no longer pregnant. We were assured that this sort of thing isn't uncommon in a first pregnancy, and we were encouraged to try again. A few months later, we were expecting another child. The first trimester went well, so we started sharing the news with our friends. We were anxious, but I managed to convince myself that our earlier disappointment was some sort of protection against another. I kept telling myself that lightning doesn't strike the same place twice. But one day, Linda called me from her office and said, you need to meet me at the hospital right away. Something is terribly wrong. Later that night, we lost a little boy. His name was Willie. All I can tell you is that we were devastated and confused. I couldn't admit to myself that I was angry with God, but I was. In time, we tried again, and about a year later, we were back in the same hospital, in the same maternity ward, and lost another boy named Arthur. My faith collapsed, utterly and completely. I just couldn't understand what kind of God would allow something like this to happen. And the question I kept asking myself over and over for weeks and for months was, what good can possibly come of something like this? The story of how I found my way back to faith in God will have to wait for another day. But for now, let's 
fast forward about 20 years, long after Linda and I had the joy of adopting Reed and Nora on a beautiful, crisp, sunny fall morning. I was on a long run with several of my buddies. It was an 18-mile run, so we had plenty of time to talk. And about 10 miles into the run, my friend Jennifer mentioned that earlier in the week, a friend of hers, Shirley, had given birth to a baby boy who died within hours of delivery. Jennifer was beside herself trying to figure out how to help. I mentioned that Linda and I had found great comfort in a group that was started by Compassionate Friends, a group specifically for people grieving perinatal loss. And I encouraged Jennifer to pass our phone numbers along to her friend in case she wanted to talk to somebody who had experienced a similar loss. Several days later, I was sitting at my desk when the phone rang. It was Jennifer's friend. First, I asked her to tell me what she could about her boy. And then I asked her whether her family and her friends were giving her the support she needed. Then, much to my surprise, I asked her if we could talk a little about faith. Remember, I was a lobbyist, not a pastor at the time. I told her that I believed that God was grieving with her. And I passed along something I'd heard from another woman whose son had died. That God didn't take her child. God received him. We talked for about half an hour, and that night I mentioned the call to Linda and confessed that I had no idea whether I had said anything even remotely helpful. About a year later, as I was scrolling through my email, I found a message from Shirley. At first, I didn't recognize her name. She said that she and her family were moving to Oregon, and that she hoped that Linda and I would visit them if we were ever in the Portland area. Then I read a few lines that still send a shiver down my spine. She said that on the afternoon when she called me, she was sitting in front of a bottle of sleeping pills, trying to decide whether to end it all. She went on to explain that talking with someone who understood how she felt, someone who had been there, convinced her that somehow she could survive, that she didn't have to take the pills. Right there, in Shirley's message, in writing, was the answer to my question about what good could come from the loss that Linda and I had experienced. I don't believe that God decides how much we can handle. And I don't believe that God brings hardship into our lives. But I do believe that God is working to bring something good out of every hardship, every disappointment. The theologians call this redemption. I think of it simply as a gift. When Shirley, a complete stranger, was hurting, the only reason I could be of any comfort to her, the only reason that I had any credibility as she was thinking about whether to end her life, was that I had been there too. I had experienced the same loss. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul assures us that God works for good in all things. Not that God causes everything that happens 
but that God always works for our good. Who sinned that this man was born blind? Why do innocents suffer? Why do those who follow Jesus face hardship? Why is life so unfair? Why does a virus spread exponentially, threatening the financial security and the very lives of so many people in its path? I don't know that the why questions can ever be answered to our satisfaction. But if the next question is what good can possibly come of this, then the answer is so that God's mighty works might be revealed. Our current public health crisis has brought out the worst in many people. We've seen the empty shelves as people snapped up face masks they didn't need and more than their share of hand sanitizer, soap, bottled water, paper towels, facial tissue, and toilet paper. But I've also seen and heard so many stories of people checking up on each other, looking out for each other, and sharing what they have with friends, neighbors, and complete strangers, so that God's mighty works might be revealed. Before closing, I'd like to encourage you to think about the ways that God might be working for good in the current pandemic. What are the gifts that God has in store for us, even in frightening times? When our faith is weak, John's Gospel assures us that Jesus is the light of the world. And because Jesus is the light of the world, we need never walk in darkness. Because Jesus is the light of the world, we have the light of life. All we need to do is open our eyes. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Creator God who separated light from darkness. Light of the world who stepped into darkness to suffer among us and with us. Holy Spirit who offers us comfort. Thank you for working for good in all things. Heal our blindness that we may see the gifts you have in store for us. Amen.